either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Got some big stars and great performances to talk about this week and in this week's new movies. Glad you're here for it. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. And let's start with three Oscar winners coming together in the story of two cops trying to track down a serial killer. It's the little things. Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. What do you want? I want to nail them. For who? For all of the girls he killed. I want to nail them too. Difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. You know, no matter how familiar, uh, even maybe tired, the storyline sounds, I think it's impossible not to be at least a little bit excited about this cast. Yeah, definitely so. And even even when I saw the trailer, even though it is a very generic type of, okay, it's a crime drama, you're trying to catch a serial killer, um, still, just the three of them together, and, yeah. and sort of the look of it, it definitely had me intrigued, and, and that's probably why... Uh, for both of us, this ended up being a letdown, even though it's not a terrible movie. No, it's not and, even a bad movie. It's and, a perfectly fine movie. And the three performances, the three actors here, main actors, certainly keep you invested in it. It just never goes anywhere that is that satisfying. Right. Um, Denzel is the veteran cop here. He's a deputy sheriff from up uh, Kern County, California. So not a big burg. I think Kern County has Bakersfield, Mm -hmm. some other cities. Uh, And he's sent down to L.A. just on some normal type of business. And he gets caught up in their latest search for a killer on the loose. And that case is being handled by the hotshot detective in town, played by Rami Malek. And it's really a good hour, I think, isn't it? Before, Well, you see his face. You see Jared Leto's face Mm -hmm. fleeting in about half an hour Mm -hmm. in. But he really doesn't become a big part of the movie until about an hour in. Yeah. And he is the main uh, suspect. Weird guy. You don't know if he's guilty. And then you find out he's one of these guys that really is into crime. And he knows a lot about uh, procedure and things like that. So he starts playing with with the cops, little cat and mouse game. And that's basically what it becomes. He's playing with them. They're trying to prove that he did it. And uh, it along the way, it reminded me, I think you too, of a lot of other movies at different parts in this one. And early on, it reminded me of Silence of the Lambs. Then it reminded, I think, both of us of Zodiac. And in the end, it reminded us of Seven. But it just never has the the punch and the, 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 uh, the resonance of any of those. Oh, it definitely doesn't. The writing just isn't there. Like you say, the the plot just isn't quite there. Part of the reason that it does remind you of those three films in particular is because it's set in the 1990s. But I don't know why. It's not clear as to why that would be necessary at all. Well, I think, as we talked about it afterwards, a couple of th- things came to mind. Number one, you, didn't, you don't have to worry about technology of today getting in the way of this story. Mm-hmm. Cell phones, tracking, mm-hmm. GPS, things like that. You don't, you don't have the... DNA evidence. Yeah. You don't have any of those trappings that might bring a, a, a hole of logic into this. And also, you really... I don't, I don't want to give away too much about the plot, but... 
You mentioned about how the police here treat Jared Leto's character, a white man, mm-hmm. and then also certain things happen that that reinforce cops bending rules, if not breaking laws, to cover for each other. Mm-hmm. And this movie doesn't exactly view that through a bad lens. Right. And that... It's is a little it, tone deaf right it now. Is. Is yes. It, and is it, does that come off better? Because it's set in 1990. I don't know. I don't know. But the two of those factors, uh, for me anyway, uh, led me to think, okay, that might be why mm-hmm. it's set. In the, because other than that, you're right. There's really no reason why it should no, be. No, no. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense that they do. And this one is written and directed by John Lee Hancock, who has made movies that we like, like The Rookie. And he's made movies that we hate, uh, like The Blind Side. (laughs) And I know if you're saying, oh, my God, I love The Blind Side. We realize a lot of people do. We can't stand it. (laughs) But here, here he's somewhere in the middle. Now, Denzel Washington is great. You know, he just he just wears this guy. You know, he just you you don't he doesn't even need to deliver many lines. And you just said this guy is just tired of everything. He's tired of being here. And he's also got he's got a past. He does. That you don't know. You learn more about as it went along. Like why, as as Rami Malek says to him in the trailer, why were you never promoted? Yeah. And there's a story there. Yeah. Rami Malek, on the other hand, I don't think he ever quite finds a real character here. Yeah. So, and it is, it is that, it is that sort of tired idea of, you know, the haunted veteran cop and the slick young upstart. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they're both working against a, a massive stereotype in terms of cliche in terms of these characters. But Rumi Malik seems to, instead of finding something authentic, he, there are a lot of, it's, it's a, it's a lot of ticks, you know, it's, it's, He's odd. The character is odd, but he's not treated like an odd ball. So it's like nobody else sees him as odd. He just is. I don't know. And and there are certain scenes where the two of them are very good together. But on the whole, I didn't buy Malik's character very much. And then Leto, also weird. The character calls for it a little bit more. But between the two of them, I just felt like there's just weird guy overload for no good reason. I thought Leto was very good. Very good. I know he has a lot of ticks too. And a yeah. lot of people take him to task for that. But I thought he was very good. Rami Malek, to me, he just felt miscast. He's very talented. Very. Yeah. To me, he just, it just felt miscast. It, it, it really did. And But it's still engaging to watch all three of them yeah. interact, especially once Jared Leto gets involved. But uh, it just doesn't go anywhere to make you think, boy, why did these three really, what did they see in this right. script yeah. that I'm not seeing? Right. Um, that's really the main thing. But it's it's perfectly serviceable. It's on HBO Max, and it's also out in some theaters right now. Mm-hmm. It just it's, it's sort of uh, it sort of fizzles out near the end when you're hoping for more fireworks, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the little things. More great acting talents in this one. An archaeologist embarks on the historically important excavation of Sutton Hoo in 1938. It's the dig. Ye gods, this is pretty. I think you'd better come and see. Why would anyone want to bury a ship? I expect this is a grave of a a warrior or a king. But there's more. There's much more. War's looming. All hands are on deck to excavate before hostilities begin. The Dark Ages are no longer dark. Everyone's going to want a piece, and this is your find. Why else would you be playing around in the dirt while the rest of the country prepares for war? From the first human handprint on a cave wall, we're part of something continuous. My 
very fleeting. I've learned that. It has moments you should seize. Yeah, just after we've been raving about Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman, see it, by the way, totally different character here as she's uh, teamed up with Ray Fiennes. If you weren't already aware of the fact that Carrie Mulligan can apparently do anything, this movie will remind you. Uh, and she's so good, and, and it's such a great performance uh, alongside Ray Fiennes. The two of them are just excellent together. Uh, she has more of an opportunity to really find a character. He's a little bit more of a sort of a a bag of gruff mannerisms, but together they really shine. He is a um, an excavator. Don't call him an archaeologist. <laughs> and he's come out to her property. She's a wealthy widow, and there are these mounds on her property, and then she's finally decided, yep, we're going to get in there. We're going to dig a mound and see what's in there. And, and again, again, this is based on a true story. It is based on a true story. And the actual, uh, she couldn't get archaeologists to come out because England knows it is on the verge of war and they can't spare anybody because they have to get whatever they're doing done now. Because once the war starts, they won't be able to. Mm-hmm. But they, they send this this untrained, you know, uh, just learned the trade from his father, but a very meticulous guy. And that is Ray Fiennes. And, and the, the character's. The, the two performances, they're just so good together. And the whole movie is about what you unearth and what you decide to keep buried. And it's very British. There's a lot of quiet longing and <laughs> restraint. Hang, hanging on in quiet desperation. Exactly, I've yes. heard that's the English way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fascinating, the, the dig itself, what they find, the fact it that is. it's true. It really is. It's fascinating. The problem with the movie really comes uh, in Act 2, as they do come across something important, well then, the museums start sending out larger crews, more impressive people. And there's a little bit of a, you know, sort of a a struggle as to who gets to stay on top of things, who gets to be in charge. But the movie then follows two other characters and their relationship, uh, Lily James and Johnny Flynn, and what they're going to unearth or leave covered up, which is interesting in its own way, and they're very, very good actors, but you just, it, it's like all of a sudden Carrie Mulligan and Ray Fiennes are sidelined in, in favor of a different movie, and mm. you just the whole time are like, but I was really enjoying those two. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they come back, the, the movie is returned to them eventually, but it feels like a weird decision to sort of just scrap them for a while and follow this other story. Other than that, I think it's a very enjoyable, well-made film. Yeah, based on a novel, uh, and the director is Simon Stone. And yeah, anytime you get, again, sort of like uh, the last movie, you get this these powerhouse talents. That can really make up for a lot. But in the end, this is pretty solid. Interestingly, the novel was written by the nephew of Peggy, who Lily James's character. Ah, very cool. So a lot of history there. And uh, it's archaeology without the whip from Indiana Jones. <laughs> and it's <laughs> a lot of longing. And that is on Netflix? Yes. Out on Netflix now, The Dig. Well, we'll just continue the theme of powerhouse acting this week. Sam and Tusker are traveling across England in their old RV to visit friends, family, and places from their past. Since Tusker was diagnosed with dementia, their time together is the most important thing they have. It's supernova. So can you tell that it's gotten worse? I'd like to make a speech. I, uh... Well, maybe, maybe Sam will do it for me. I'd love to. Why you do it for me? Now, as most of you will know, I'm slowly losing my ability to remember. And I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for this man next to me. I want to be remembered for who I was, but not for who I'm about to become. 
It's not fair to you. It's not about fair. It's about love. No, Sam. I want to see this through with you to the end. This one is out in selected theaters this week before moving, I'm sure, to VOD very soon. More incredible acting. This, the two leads here are uh, Stanley Tucci, who plays the character Tusker, who has early-onset dementia, and then his longtime partner of over 20 years, Sam, played by Colin Firth. So, so right there, I mean, just watching the two of them is really worth it here. Exactly. I, I would love to watch the two of them do anything. They're wonderful together, just totally wonderful. And this is not a bad movie at all. It's just, it's the type of movie that, if you've seen a few movies in your life, you'll know exactly where this yeah, is going. Yeah. But it still can be a nice trip to get there, especially with, with the two of them. And they uh, they travel, as, as the synopsis said there, in an RV through England. And some of the landscapes, just beautiful. The uh, writer-director is Harry McQueen. I believe this is his second feature. And much like his, his first one, a movie called Hinter- Hinterland. Hinterland, yeah. This is it's similar themed. This one not about friends, this one about obviously a, a romantic relationship here, but also it's about a, a, a trip, a sort of a road trip through some fantastic uh, picturesque settings to try to figure out the beauty of, of life and the beauty of relationships. And here, of course, it's the fact that they don't have much time left and they're trying to revisit some some places in their past and just catch up maybe one last time with some cherished family and friends. So it's beautifully shot. The writing is totally fine, but it's just the the chance to see these actors together and how uh, there's just their every little glance, even when they're not speaking, just mentioned just you can tell how how much they're invested in these characters and how they just feel lived in and feel authentic mm-hmm. that they've been together for so long. Just the way they just kind of rib at each other for certain little idiosyncrasies about their personalities. It's, it's a joy to watch. It's a tender movie. It's a graceful movie. Perfectly lovely. It just goes... A little predictable. Yeah, it just goes in places that you think it's going to go. But it does it quite well and just, again... Can't say enough about how, how these two together are, are fantastic. And uh, even if you don't catch it in the theaters, you can look for this one when it hits VOD. I'm sure that'll be pretty soon. And it's called Supernova. Next is the story of an ex-convict striking up a friendship with a boy from a troubled home, Palmer. Palmer. You were all USA player two years in a row at Riverside? Yes, sir. The whole life's changed. That boy, that's Sam. His mama took off. He'll be staying with us till she's back. You know you're a boy, right? Yeah. He's gonna have to go in the system. There's something seriously wrong with that kid. Would you send me free? How did you end up in prison? Don't matter. I did what I did. Bulk of what you did today. There's things in this world you can be, and there's things that you can't. How many boys do you see on that show? None. What does that tell you? That I can be the first. Truth is, I haven't felt like I was good at anything. Until Sam. I will not abandon that boy. Do you know what you're a sucker for in movies? What is that? Cute little kids. (laughs) Like you're not. (laughs) You hate cute little kids. Boy, there's one in this movie, and this is on Apple TV. This is an Apple uh, original starring Justin Timberlake, who 
as if you want to feel old, like I sprung this on you the other day, he is, I think, maybe this week or next week turning 40 years old. That can't be. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Remember when my niece was going crazy for him and uh, in, I think he was in sync, right? Not, How okay. the hell anyway, would I know? When he had that crazy curly hair. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> he is uh, Palmer, Eddie Palmer. He goes by his last name. And he's coming back to his small uh, Louisiana town. It's a, quote, church and football town. I think we all know, we've known a few of those in our lifetimes. But um, he was a big football star back in the day, got a scholarship to LSU. But then he had injuries, uh, derail his, his football career, and uh, hot temper got him sent away for 12 years for attempted murder. Okay, so now he's out to reclaim his life, and he moves in with his uh, grandma, Vivian, played by June Squibb. Always awesome to see June Squibb. June Squibb. She's so, so great. Uh, she's got a house there, and he moves in, and it doesn't take him long to notice in the trailer next door this absolute train wreck of a woman, played by uh, Juno Temple. Who's also always good. Yeah, yeah. And, and her son, Sam, played by Ryder Allen in his movie debut. And the thing about uh, Shelly, the mom, the uh, trailer train wreck, she just takes off. She just leaves town for stretches at a time. And when that happens, Sam, the little boy, has, has for a while now come over to stay with uh, Grandma Vivian. So that's how Palmer and Sam just start to develop this bond. And the thing about Sam is he doesn't like football. He's a boy. He doesn't like football. He likes princesses. He likes tiaras. He likes wings. He likes playing dress-up and tea parties. And obviously that's going to get him bullied. Yeah. And it's going to get him a lot of bad treatment in, in a town like this from a lot of bigoted people. So this is another one. We're on a theme here. You know where this is going. Yeah. You, you do. They're going to affect each other's lives. And Palmer has some scars from his childhood as well. And so they're, they're going to bond, and he is going to become a, a father figure to him and, um, and hope to maybe rescue him from this bad mother. So, yeah, predictable. But, again... The trip through it is is not a, b- a bad trip, and Justin Timberlake is very good. Mm. He's he's dialed down. He's restrained. He's gritty. Uh, his chemistry with Ryder Allen, who is just as adorable as he can be, he is so cute. <laughs> oh my! The chemistry is is real, and uh, it feels authentic. And uh, the director is Fisher Stevens. Remember him? He's been an mm-hmm. actor. I didn't realize how much uh, how much. Um, directing he's been doing yeah but he's been a pretty busy director and he i give him credit because he's he know he seems to know we don't need led by the nose here mm-hmm. like he keeps it moving and leaves out things that he gives us credit for catching up right you know we, we know what's going on here but let's just let's just make it effective and and make it touching through the relationship of this boy and, and this troubled man and it does and it works it's not great it's contrived you know, Sam has a uh, a pretty teacher at school who just happens to be single. What? So, you know, but <laughs> you end up feeling good that you've watched it. Yeah. And that is on Apple TV right now. It's called Palmer. Hey, who likes a scary movie? I do. Oh, okay. How about an Iranian couple living in the U.S. becoming trapped inside a hotel when insidious events force them to face the secrets that have come between them in a night that never ends? This is called The Night. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to the Hotel Normandy. Hi, how are you doing? How many nights will you be staying? Tonight, Justin. That is on the fourth floor, room 414. Now, this is one 
that reminds you very definitely of other movies, but it, but it makes that sort of work for itself. Yeah, yeah, most specifically of The Shining, when you say a haunted hotel. And how many times uh, over the last 40, what, 41 years now <laughs> since The Shining has come out? I mean, we can have another movie about a haunted hotel. but And this one is interesting because it actually uses a couple of things. You're like, really? You're already in a haunted hotel and you're going to have a slow shower curtain reveal in the bathtub and you're also going to use a creepy old song. Yeah. To you're like, okay, well then you really better have something else. The but good, you know, if they don't have creepy twins, I'm out. <laughs> they don't. But the good <laughs> news, the good news here is it does have more than that. It does find a way to be creepy on its own terms uh and and find its own twist on this haunted hotel story. And it's from an Iranian writer director Korish Ahari and the uh the couple is Iranian, but they're living in California. Mm-hmm. So you have some English and then some Farsi with subtitles, especially when they, uh, they're they coming home, the couple and their little new baby are driving home from a, a game night with friends. And one thing leads to another, uh, the car trouble, GPS trouble, they're fighting. They decide to just get a hotel room and start fresh in the morning. And then once they check in, and the, 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 the clerk, creepy, Right away. Nice. So, so yeah, so this movie is more than outright scary. It's creepy. Right. In fact, there's at least one s- sequence that really gave me goosebumps, just the way they pull it <laughs> off. So, yeah. So uh, the more it went along, I, I was really impressed by the way it took this mantle of the haunted hotel and even had a couple of, you could call it direct homages to, to a sequences in The Shining and, and made it its own thing, especially when it came time to make you realize that the whole haunted hotel, haunted anything, is a metaphor for something else. Mm-hmm. And that, because the haunted house, the boo, yeah. you know, has, has been a horror staple for eons, with good reason. Yeah. But if you want to make it something else and represent something else, that takes a little more skill. But they, they get it done. They do. And the, the directing is, is right on. The pace is right on. The, uh, the two main actors, one guy you'll probably recognize, uh, Shahab Hosseini. He's in The Separation. And The Salesman. The salesman. Both fantastic yes. Iranian films. And then Naisha Noor. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, she's, the, uh, she's the wife. And as the night goes on, she's just more desperate about keeping her child safe as she doesn't know if her husband... Is he hallucinating? Is this, are they really hearing these bumps uh, are the, uh, on these voices and the things they sing? Are, there, are they real or are they hallucinating? He's had a few drinks in the night because he's got this bad toothache that he wants to dull, and it just gets later and later. They've had no sleep. The baby's crying. Everything just, you know, just, is, yeah. yeah, it just makes the, your, ner- your nerves fray, and they're trapped in this hotel. So it's effective. It is on uh, VOD now, and I think especially if you like... No, it's not bloody. It's not gory. Right, right. Just creepy mm-hmm. and some real good goosebump moments. It's got some hallways that are not quite Kubrick and <laughs> so, some creepy paintings that are not exactly Rod Serling, right. but but creepy enough to, to get it done. So I think that's a, it's an impressive job by uh, writer director Koresh Ahari and The Night. Hey, let's find out what Shudder's got this week. Families were terrorized at the orphanage. Someone wants them dead, apparently with black magic that is very deadly. The queen of black magic. This is not exact. It's not a remake, and it's not exactly a sequel, but it's a it's a kind of a retooling 
of an Indonesian sort of cult classic from 1981 called The Queen and Black Magic. That movie is about a spurned woman and, well, revenge that involves black magic. This has nothing to do with any of that. So it's really weird. There's <laughs> one character that you can sort of see in common. And it's, you know, it's funny. It's kind of feels slapped together a little bit. You know, this group of people who, who are adults now, but they had grown up in this orphanage together. They come together because the guy who ran, runs the orphanage is dying. So these three men and they bring their families and there are uh, just a smattering of people who still live at the orphanage and they're waiting for the kids to come home, they took a bus to another town and they're waiting for the kids to come home for their field trip, all the orphans, when horrible things start happening. So it's got kind of a slasher setup so that, you know, these people are picked off one by one. These really weird things happen to them. There's a backstory at the at the um, orphanage. Uh, it's not what they're saying it is, but you probably know what it is. Anyway, there's a lot going on here that isn't very fresh or interesting, but it's pretty well executed. It's it's creepy in the way that they use bugs, for example. I mean, you know, he he th- there's a gag reflex moment. I mean, he hits on certain things, visceral sort of primal ugh, uh, in his different setups where he sort of ends people. Right. Um, and so in the end, it's a it's a it's a decent you know, quick 90 minutes mm-hmm. of of horror and gore. It's not a very good movie, but it's fairly competently made. And uh, and it was written by Joko Anwar, who has made, I mean, if you've seen an Indonesian horror film, it was probably his. He's made a bunch. <laughs> yeah. um, Satan Slave and, and uh, Impetigor. And, oh, yeah, and, that was not too not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's definitely got a lot of his influence. I mean, he wrote it, but he didn't direct it, and so it feels a, a little bit off. Like, it's not quite as nightmarish and kind of illogical, but in, a, in an interesting way. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it holds together. It's fine. Yeah, director is Kimo Stambol. And it seems another one, we've had a few of these this week that are sort of go familiar places and they're not terrible but they're they're fine yeah and uh, so and this is one of them and it's on shutter the queen of black magic and let's end with the story of a teen mourning the first anniversary of her younger sister's death discovering the mysterious man who sexploited and bullied her sister to commit suicide is back online trolling for new victims this is hashtag like you need to be careful yeah girl he is a sex offender I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make him pay. Yeah, I got a call. That was my mom. Uh, sorry, she had to run out. There you go. <laughs> Come on. It's the weekend. Creepy, right? Solid lead door. When is your mom gonna be home? What would you do? this was your sister. So we saved the best for last. Uh, This is the best movie this week. This is our highest recommendation. And in an act of ignorant good nature, we gave this one to Brandon Thomas. We let Brandon (laughs) Thomas review the best movie of the week. And not only that, but after he posted his review, he got a nice comment from the writer-director. Yes, that's right. Sarah Perosic reached out. To say thank you. So, yeah. Sarah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. It is a great movie. It's a it's a feminist horror film. It is a difficult movie to watch. It's a tough one. But it's, it's a, a revenge tale told so well, takes these very unexpected turns. It's, it's really, really tense. 
And it is. It's a hard watch, but it's so worth it. If you're a horror fan, it's such a good movie. Well, you know, since the rise of social media, any kind of a social movement like that is going to be reflected in the arts and in movies. And since that has happened, we've seen so many movies try it and, and, and fail. Right. And it's nice when somebody gets it right and makes it real and makes it not pandering and relevant. Yeah, and this is one. This does it. And, and good and scary. And that is called a Hashtag Like. And by the way, you can read Brandon's uh, full review uh, at MadWolf.com. Hey, let's find out what's cooking in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby to check in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. And wouldn't you know it, we have more shifting dates. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's the latest? Well, the latest is that Paramount has set a March 4th release date for the third SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. It will debut on Paramount Plus and Premium VOD on that date. Um, Warner Brothers set a March 18th release on HBO Max for their four-hour director's cut of Zack Schneider's Justice League. Yawn! <laughs> I know I'm going to get hate for that, but oh my god. Four hours, that fine. means an extra 30 minutes uh, shooting up <laughs> Wonder, uh, Woman Wonder Woman's skirt. skirt. <laughs> but at least you can pause it and go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And just in case you were wondering if studios would stop being petty to each other during all of this, that is dropping the day before the next Marvel miniseries premieres on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, the old uh, DC Marvel beef. Yep. Not even the pandemic could stop that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Speaking of Disney, they have pushed The King's Man, which is the Kingsman prequel, back to an August 20th release. They also delayed the Fox animated movie Ron's Gone Wrong to October 22nd, and they pulled the Bob's Burger movie from the release calendar for the time being, which kind of makes me think they're probably going to toss it on Hulu at some point this mm, year. Sure. Paramount has shoved A Quiet Place Part 2 back to September 24th. Wow. Warner Brothers has set a theatrical and HBO Max release for James Wan's Malignant on <gasps> September 10th. So excited! I know. <laughs> and just to curb that excitement, Universal has postponed the release of Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho to October 22nd. I saw that because we follow him on Twitter, and I was so sad. Yeah. I am so yeah. excited for that one. Not just because it's him, but also Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. yeah, I'm really looking forward to both Malignant and Last Night in Soho. Uh, just to keep the train going, Warner Brothers has pulled Baz Luhrmann's Elvis biopic from November this year and pushed it to July of next year because they still have a bunch of shooting to go due to uh, Tom Hanks catching uh, COVID back in the fall. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. behind schedule. And Paramount has yanked their animated pro wrestling monsters movie, Rumble, from its May date and pushed that back to February of next year. That's a so big push, odd, May of this year, February of next year. That is, yeah, that, that is an odd combination. <laughs> and the last thing I've got might be, it might actually be the biggest thing of the bunch is that you know we've we've already talked about the Universal, Cinemark, and Cineplex agreement a few times already. Mm -hmm. That's changed. Throughout the month, well, Regal has signed on to it now as well. That looks like it might end up being the norm going forward once we reach the other side of this pandemic. And just to remind anyone listening, basically the deal there is once theaters have reopened, if a film makes $50 million or more on its opening weekend in the U.S., it cannot go to VOD for at least 31 days. Mm. If it makes less than $50 million, 
it can hit VOD within 17 days. And how does GameStop play into all this? <laughs> you know what? I don't know. <laughs> but, but apparently AMC is, plays into that. Yes, I guess their yes. stock's being monkeyed with as well. That's right. I did see that. <laughs> it all comes back to GameStop, doesn't it? No. <laughs> apparently. All right. Well, as we always say, we sure I'm sure that these dates are going to be changing again, and uh, we know you'll have the latest. You can find Daniel on, online at The Schlocketeer. Thank you. All right, thank you. Hey, before we check out next week, we want to say thank you to Alex, Alex Davis. We just caught up with him for the first time in a while the other night, and we were reminded that he's a really faithful listener, and we thank, thank <laughs> him for right. that. That's right. We do. And he and I both prefer the Go-Go's to Belinda Carlisle's solo work, <laughs> I learned last night. <laughs> I have to say I'm with you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, looking ahead to next week, we've got, uh, boy, we've got a few. This could be a busy week. Malcolm and Marie. Life in a day. The two of us. Son of the South. Glitch in the Matrix. Is that is that a documentary? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Happy Times. Uh, the Reckoning. Mm-hmm. The Mimic. The Wanting Mare. I like that title, The Wanting Mare. That's a good title. First blush. Uh, a Nightmare Wakes. Ooh. Ooh, and Sacrifice. And I bet there'll be some other ones popping up, too. So until then, let us know what you thought about this week, anything you've seen recently. I always love to keep the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter. That's the easiest way. It's at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. Brand new episode, by the way, uh, just dropping. All that at madwolf.com. So lots of stuff. Hope to hear from you. Hope you're staying well. And until next week, she's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>